Welcome to Digital Mitten Podcast Series, sharing social media industry perspectives. And now, here's your host, Jeff D. Haven. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It is a new year, and with that comes new goals, new changes, new mindsets. So we want to start off our first podcast of 2020, reviewing some of the biggest things that happened in social media in 2019. We also want to look at what 2020 may hold for us and kind of try to give you a heads up or a leg up on what to expect throughout this year. So joining me today, I have Trent. He's our content creator. Hello, Digital Mitten World. We are here and we are ready to talk. And I have Chad. He's our creative director. Hello to everyone out there in podcast land. Thanks for coming on and listening to us talk about all the stuff. So we are doing a new format. We hope that you enjoy it. It's gonna be a wide range of ideas, give you a wider spectrum on our thoughts. Uh, So this is gonna be the new format. And again, we can't wait to hear your feedback on that. So let's start off recapping what happened in 2019. So there was a ton of stuff that happened. Some stuff that we pinpointed was the Face app, where it made you look either 10 years younger, 10 years older. Um, We had the kind of the Baby Yoda memes and the whole Star Wars launching Disney Plus and all that momentum. We had the cat versus the housewives meme that went crazy. Crazy. And then lastly, the cyber truck from Tesla that was quite unique that gained a lot of momentum on social media. So let's break these down one by one. Let's start with the Face app. One of the biggest things that kind of flooded the news feed was certainly the Face app phenomenon. Um, Let's give you some quick stats that I found. So this app actually launched in 2017. Uh, When it launched, it had about 12.1 million launch downloads, Um, but it took until about mid-2019 for it to really gain the biggest momentum, and that was around July. So between July 13th through the 17th, it had 150 million downloads, which was quite a bit. Yeah, Uh, during that period, we saw 86 million uploaded photos to the app. Um, in July alone, the company made $7 million. They made $1 million during the 10-day hype phenomenon. Wow. The subscription model uh, that allowed them to gain all this uh, revenue was from uh, getting the watermark-free version. You could also do an app-free experience. They had access to premium features and all of that. But the biggest thing that I think is cool about this is is one of the most used AI apps. And so we've heard a lot of people talking about going into 2019, AI, VR, um, augmented reality, all those types of things. So this was actually one that we saw put in place. And now we're seeing a lot more of those. You may see recently that little bubble that pops over your head in stories that tells you what character you're going to be with Disney or anything like that. So I was Ursula. Not too happy about that. Actually, that makes sense. I was Olaf. Olaf. I was pumped for that. I haven't used this app. You know, the whole the whole face app thing for me was, it was just a little bit creepy. You know, I, it, people generally respond, well, hey, Chad, you look really great as a 98-year-old man or whatever. But I guess I'm just not ready for that sort of manipulation yet. I don't, it's just not in my way. See, I'm the exact opposite. I went crazy. I mean, I was taking photos off of my friends' Facebook pages and, like, putting it into the app and sending it to them all day long. That's all I could do. You're creepy like that, though. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. We try to use it for some of our clients, ones that we were it, yeah. <laughs> all right with sharing how they would look in 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> a lot of them didn't want to share that or see that, um, but it was fun. 
So uh, I think it was just a harmless thing that uh, that people generated. Again, it was a good use of AI, and uh, and I'm excited to see what other opportunities come. All right, so one thing that we want to talk about today is this phenomenon that hit the internet uh, starting about October of 2019, which everyone calls Baby Yoda. You guys have all seen the memes. You know exactly what we're talking about. Of course, Disney doesn't want you to call it Baby Yoda because they call it the child. But of course, we're talking about that lovable little green puppet that you've all seen in the Mandalorian show uh, where it does the, the magic baby hand thing, right? It does the magic baby hand thing. So 2019 was a big debut for this character. Uh, I think it seems clear that Disney didn't realize just how large this was going to be, what an impact it was going to make, uh, but it hit really big and it was instantaneously loved. Uh, what this did was that show The Mandalorian generated 32 times more demand than the average streaming show uh, over the past several months. That's, That's crazy. Say, yeah. 32 times more demand for one show than all, basically all the other shows out there that are streaming. Really, really significant. But you would think Disney would want to capitalize on that demand with all sorts of merchandise, like, you know, swag and t-shirts. We were all, like, everybody around Christmas was looking for a Baby Yoda t-shirt, right? Were you, Trent, were you shopping for one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the puppets, right? We wanted little figurines. You know, we're all collecting those of little these pop things. icon things. Right, like a pop toy. I pre ordered a figurine. I still haven't gotten it. So. Okay, when are you supposed to get it? I have no idea. Okay. It's not coming. <laughs> it's not coming. <laughs> so the statistics show that that lack of marketing on Disney's behalf is rolling out from Christmas season through the spring until these things really start hitting the stores. It's rolling out to a, nearly a $3 million loss, a projected $2.7 million loss. We're just talking about baby Yoda stuff. We're just talking about the child. Not even, you know, the, the bigger thing. That's the projected loss. So, little little lack pocket of... Pocket change, you know? Oh, sure. For Disney, yeah, being pocket honest, change. though, Disney taking over Star Wars has kind of been a disaster. Don't get me started, but that's not When yeah. it don't, you don't want to go down that <laughs> That's a different episode. Uh, my last name's LaForce. Huge Star Wars fan. Not always a huge fan of what Disney has done, although Rogue One gets massive points. But anyway, uh, so if you don't know much about Baby Yoda... What we, an article came out where John Favreau told one of the actors, an actor in the final episode of The Mandalorian, one of those biker scout actors, Favreau walked up to him because he had to punch the baby in the face, the actor did. And before he did it, Favreau, who's the, the chief creative behind the whole series, walked up to him and said, this is a $5 million puppet, so be careful how you punch it. That's a really expensive, you know, you talk about a $2.7 million loss, they could have had half their money back for the puppet if they just made some toys. $5 along with this million dollars for a puppet. Five, and there's no CGI. It's we not need to get in that business. Yeah, we do. yeah. Let's yeah. make artificial Yodas. Like Disney has a long history of making really expensive puppets, but I think that one might might take the cake. So to summarize this whole thing with the baby Yoda, the memes just took the web by storm. Uh, our whole culture has just really embraced it. I've seen some of the funniest memes I've seen in years centered around that little baby drinking, you know, sipping soup and you know, talking like a soccer mom or whatever. That was just mm -hmm. good stuff. Trent, do you have any memorable memes from that? Uh, he protect, he attack, and he eat the snack. <laughs> That's right. That's my favorite one of all time. Favorite meme ever. Speaking of memes, though, I'm sure you guys have seen the housewife and the cat meme. I haven't. No, no, no that's a lie. Everyone in the world has seen that. It's been overused for the past couple months here. Now, that meme originally came out in May of 2019, and we saw a huge influx of people using that. I would say probably... October, November, all that kind of stuff. But basically, it was two pictures combined into one. So the first, the lady, obviously, is from The Real Housewives 
fantastic show, very classy show. If, we, if you've ever seen it, we went and watched an episode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So her name is Taylor Armstrong, and basically the story behind her photo is she was having an absolute emotional breakdown, fighting with another girl in the house. I don't know exactly what caused it, but there was some emotional trauma there. So she is the one half of the photo. The other half of the photo is a cat named Smudge. Now you can follow this cat on Instagram. It's Smudge underscore Lord. So, and he has his own website called SmudgeLord.com. You can buy merchandise, all that kind of stuff. Nice. And basically his photo started on Tumblr and it was just a simple photo of that cat in the exact same pose with a plate of vegetables and it says, he no like vegetables. And it went viral. Me neither. Yes, yeah. I don't either, Chad. Do you? Like what? I, I don't. You, no. I, I mean, very few. We watched that episode, though, with the one where the lady actually does the pointing, because we thought for certain we were going to see that cat somewhere in that episode. Not even related. No. Not at all. Not even related. But apparently it doesn't have to be. Yes. But yeah, so this meme got so much of a reaction that even Oprah Magazine had to reach out to Taylor Armstrong. Okay, and she she sent a little piece here. I'm gonna read the whole thing for you. It's a little long, so pardon me, but she, this is this is her uh, opinion about the whole meme. All right, here we go. I have healed and grown so much stronger since that moment, and am in such a happy place with my husband and daughter. I never imagined of all my TV moments that that one would become the meme sensation. So she's seen it. I've seen pictures of her on Instagram where she meets people that are dressed up like the cat on Halloween. And then she tags him in it, which is a pretty cool, like, I don't know. There's, there's so much reach from this meme. And that just shows you, like, you don't always expect these things to take off like they are. But when they do, you just have to, like, be willing to jump on it and jump on it quick. Absolutely. I like her story of healing. I think that's a wonderful way for her to turn it around. I, I think there's a broader conversation that goes with that. This, there can be a bit of toxicity surrounding some of these reality TV shows, and that's just par for the course. Yeah, I agree. Reality... Reality TV shows aren't really reality. Yeah. But anyways, like true. Jeff said, to me, when these things come out, like you can use these memes and you can create them in a way that says something about your business or how you can advertise for your business or even just trying to relate to people. It doesn't even have to be um, advertising for your product or whatever, but just really capitalizing on these really keeps you relevant in today's world that is forever changing. And it may not make sense. It may not directly correlate with what it is that you do on a day-to-day -day, but you have to jump on these opportunities yeah it's really ubiquitous i mean when something is that pervasive out there it becomes a common lexicon almost overnight but there's a window to it right it doesn't last forever yeah so you saw being, that with the face app it was what 10 days yeah so being able to get right in there in that swing of that you know that's part of being marketing savvy uh, with social media it's just something that we we've got to pay attention to and even chad and i got our own shirts we wore them during the holidays. I was the cat. I was the cool one. I was the ladies. I was left out. No, you weren't. <laughs> you had your own custom shirt. I had a Santa Claus one. It had nothing to do with that meme. All right. So let's talk about the Cybertruck from Tesla. So I love this story personally because I think it was just the unique, bold release of something nobody expected that really made this take off. People had their, and you saw kind of renderings of what people thought the truck would look like, which they compared it to a truck you would see now, just slightly different with Tesla, and it was totally not like that at all. I don't all. think anybody had an idea of what was about to be unveiled. Yeah. It, it was uh, atrocious. People didn't think it was real. They thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. Um, and Tesla has a great following from what I can see. Um, anybody that I know that owns a Tesla 
talks only positive about it. Um, so far to this date, they have 250,000 pre-orders and spoiler alert, I am one of those, which I am stoked for. Just don't hit the windows too hard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. See, myself, I loved the design of it the moment it came out. I, as a designer myself, I just love those smooth, clean lines. I understand why some people were taken aback by it, but Tesla you know, and Elon Musk, that's not a company that's trying to fit into any existing paradigm. They're trying to rewrite it. That's yeah. a very good point. Break all the molds, for sure. And they did that with this. And so, and it just shows you, like, I mean, the delivery, I thought, I don't know if you guys watched it, but I thought it was a hot mess. I thought uh, Elon was having a hard time following the script, or it didn't look like he knew what was going on, or what the agenda was but it didn't matter because because of the fact that it was widely different people ate it up um and it just blew up online and we even utilized it with some of our clients and took advantage of the opportunity um maybe you guys did as well but i just like the fact that they're willing to push the envelope and that's something that we talk about a lot in this business is doing something that people don't expect and the the things that people don't expect is really what takes off and can be unique so I would encourage you to utilize this story and this you know concept and how they've done that to look at what you can do differently to kind of mix things up in your business so it doesn't get dull and it's exciting I mean Tesla came out of nowhere and they're dominating I, I saw something recently where their uh, stock is now worth more than the big three and so nobody expected that and they still have a lot of growth to do to even get close to uh, the revenue and the models that the big three has, but they're certainly are shaking up that industry. And to me, I like that. That's exciting to me. You know, we, we live in a time, I know that Trent would speak to this too, when there's a bit of a hypersensitivity to doing anything new. You know, there's a fear of this backlash that happens, but part of marketing is, is taking a stand on things and, and putting yourself out there a little bit. You want to be wise about it, of course, but um, I, th I think they did a great job. With it. I agree with you, Jeff. The actual presentation was a bit difficult to watch at times. It just that stage show was difficult, uh, but the product makes a bold stand. Trent, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm not one that is huge on the design of the truck. I think it's a little out there. Um, it's a little too, I like more rounded edge, like a cars, all that kind of stuff. But I, I do think, like you said, they did make a stand. They're different. That's why I like it. Um, the delivery, please, Elon Musk take like a speech course or public speaking lesson i don't know but do something because that was i was cringing inside like i couldn't even watch it i was embarrassed for him it's just like zuck he's not a good presenter oh, either but he smokes meat so. <laughs> he smokes his meat <laughs> do you think that the vehicle sells well and it gets out there on the street and it becomes more pervasive that it might actually change some the of the automotive trends like visually i think it could absolutely 100 percent. yes well if you look at the website i mean it has it, it's and I don't know a lot about vehicles I, I just don't but it talks about like all the uh, stats and statistics of it is more than you would get from any other truck that's currently out there as far as like how it can pull and all those different things yeah there's a lot under the hood it's it's an amazing vehicle statistically well there's not a lot under the hood because it's all electric powered no figure speech <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we're looking at 2020 what does 2020 hold and certainly it it, uh, it's the rise of TikTok. Yes. So TikTok, I'm sure many of you have heard about this, but maybe don't know exactly what it is or, or what it's used for. So basically, you create and you share short videos to your following um, and other people around the world. So this is pretty crazy st uh, statistic. It is actually the number one downloaded app currently on the Apple Store is TikTok. 
So if you haven't downloaded yet, do so because you're already behind. It's got over 500 million monthly users, which is quite a bit, and it's got 1.5 billion downloads altogether. Now, if you're looking for demographics, what, what this is used for, 41% of TikTok users are 16 to 24, which makes kind of sense to me. So I guess they can't use it. Yes. And it's also, I, I found this fact, it's the biggest in India right now. So they have over 500 million downloads, which is almost half of the users using TikTok are in India. And now it's all video. It's all video, yes. Okay. So if you're looking for an expert, go to India. Yeah, if you're looking for an expert, go to India. The average time spent on the app is 52 minutes, which is actually pretty long for a, a social media type app. Um, how can this be used for your business? So Chipotle is on the app, and they do a very good job. Basically what you want to do... Not with the food, though. Well, actually, Chipotle is the Aww. best. <laughs> Chipotle is the best. Low, it's low. 10 times better than Qdoba. Anyways, nope. Nope. how can you use this? So you have to be significantly different on TikTok. This is a very platform-specific app. It is nothing like traditional marketing. It is nothing like Facebook or Instagram marketing. This is different. Tell You've me got, how I can be different on TikTok. I will tell Trent. you. So Chipotle did this thing where it was guacamole day, or guac day for short, and they did a hashtag guac dance. So they had a video of an elderly lady dancing to a music video of guacamole, and they hashtag the guac dance, and people all around the world did their own rendition of this and hashtag guac dance. Nice. So that gained so much traction just by doing something kind of silly like that. Um, and they also did for Guacamole Day, they had Adele playing in the background because TikTok is mostly a music-based app. Uh, it was from uh, Musicaly, which was the original app, and then it was uh, bought out by Lively. Lively, and so. So it started off as Musical.ly, then it went to Lively, and now it's at TikTok. Um, and so what, what they did is they used an Adele song, Someone Like You, and they put a guacamole in front, and it was singing, and then the audience sang in the song, and then when they pan over, it's this huge table full of chips, so it looks like the chips are singing to Adele. It was insane, but yeah. It's just fun stuff like that. You gotta think really outside the box if you wanna use it for your company. There ain't no day like guac day. There, there isn't. Right. Interesting. So uh, we're playing for it with, uh, playing on it with uh, Digital Mitten. I haven't jumped on it personally because I don't need one more thing on my plate personally. But uh, we're excited to see what we can do with it on a business level. Uh, the cool thing about it is when I was out at Social Media Marketing World, I met this kid who was 13 years old. And he was just like trying to mess around on YouTube at that point and just trying to get his feet wet and came out to that event to just meet as many people as possible. Him and I did. An interview um, which we can share on our page uh, we'll link it in this uh, podcast and uh, and then I, I followed him ever since and it's probably been about two years now but now he's like one of the biggest TikTok um, users he's doing some stuff with Nickelodeon he was just in a magazine mm -hmm. uh, like a week ago so it just shows you like what can happen by being an early adapter on these apps it's at the point right now where it's early enough to gain a following but it's close like if you need to start getting on it right now it's kind of like vine when vine came out yeah yep so all right um something else that's been getting a lot of discussion is the fact that instagram is hiding the like count or the heart count on the content people are kind of freaking out about it some people are stoked for it uh, Facebook, who owns Instagram, is saying their their goal is to increase post volume. They feel that people will feel less self-conscious about their content if they don't have to see the number of likes 
on the particular post and that will encourage people to post more the more that they post the more time they spend on the app the more time you spend on the app the more ads you see which generates more dollars for Facebook I kind of have mixed feelings on this though I feel like engagement is a huge measurement tool it's certainly not the only tool but I feel like it's a huge tool to kind of see what it is that your audience is responding to in real time it allows you to see okay they're not responding to this particular one why not and then you can kind of look at was it the time of day day of the week was it the type of post was it the visual and so on and so forth so um so i'm not sure what i feel about this um i know a lot of influencers are kind of uh worried about it because certainly they make a living off of the amount of engagement they get on their content um, uh, but I think it's going to be good because it's going to kind of flesh out. We kind of have too many quote unquote influencers out there. Uh, so it'd be good to kind of flesh out the ones that are just kind of an amateur and get more to the, uh, ones that are bigger into that space. Um, so currently Instagram has over a billion monthly users. So they're number two, Facebook's number one. Um, and they have 500 million daily stories uploaded to the platform. My understanding was, and I don't, I know there's a bit of a rollout on this, but in some regards, I thought this was externally facing so that if you created your own post, you could see likes, but in, in essence, someone on the other side viewing your post could not see. Is, is there a mix of that going on or is it where the, like the hearts and the likes are just sort of going away altogether as a metric? It's not going away altogether. You can see it, but they've made it like a three-step process. Okay. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you a little bit of steps to doing it. And they're hoping that that just encourages you from even looking at it right again so they can hit their goal as far as more content being deployed but i still think for a while people are going to want to see what that is until they kind of get that out of their mindset and move on i definitely like to see my likes it strikes me as a bit of a, a behavioral engineering sort of tool by instagram trent what do you think about that platform sort of coaching us down a behavioral path of of using their their tools in a different way I mean, to me, I, I absolutely hate it. I think this goes back to the point that you were talking about how companies are scared to speak out about certain things or are kind of too overly conscious about people's feelings and whatnot. And while I don't think that we should judge ourselves and our Instagram likes, like Jeff said, this is a tool that we use all the time to judge what's working, what's not. Um, and that's hard to do if you have to open it up and then, I don't know, it's just such a... It was such a more streamlined process when you could see the likes. I, I, I don't agree with it. It's definitely a bummer. You know, if you post something you're really proud of on social media, it just doesn't get the engagement. But conversely, when you post something that you don't think is going to be really well received, and you, you, can, you can learn from those metrics. And for me, because I post a lot of art, it's always interesting to see how those, how those engagements go. So it'll be, diff it'll be different for me to not have that. I'm not a fan of this direction either. Yeah, to me this is like one step closer to internet censorship. Well, they're saying it's a big thing that's gonna help with cyberbullying. I mean, at least it's a, I guess, a step in that direction, but I don't think it's the end all solution. No, I... Historically, these events don't always work. These modifications <laughs> yeah, don't always yeah. bring about the results that we want, so. Hopefully it just doesn't hurt the platform because Facebook certainly wouldn't want that to happen. And well, I love Instagram, so I don't want it to get messed up either. Let's talk about video. We've been talking quite a little bit on here. We talked about TikTok and we're talking about Instagram and Facebook, which of course have video components. Here's an amazing thing. In 2018, a very distinct shift took place worldwide, really across social media, where the platforms are more engineered to promote video content. 
in part with that is that, of course, users really like video content. And so video is very much on the rise across social media. So if, if you're just getting into video at this time, consider this thing. It's growing exponentially. The rate of interaction is growing significantly. And if you're just getting on board, one could say you're already about two years behind the curve. So we want to give you some statistics on this and, and, and help you get, get launching forward on this. So a live video on a platform like Facebook generally speaking, generates six times, now I'm talking specifically about live video now, six times the interaction that a non-live video creates. So video is already king and live video is growing exponentially. I want to give you that again. Six times more interaction if you're doing a live video than if you post a video that's non-live. So if we're talking about a traditional post, it generates about 1.6% interaction. If you're posting a photograph, if you're showing someone what you're eating for lunch, if you're, if you're talking about the weather, 1.6% interaction. But live video creates, by and large, 34% interaction. That's you know exponential growth. And, and the developers, of course, are recognizing this and you're gonna see your social media, it's already begun, but you're gonna see it more, more and more into a tool that propagates and encourages live video interactions. So let me give you a few statistics about this, and, and Trent and Jeff, I wanna hear your reaction to some of this. One statistic, this is from Cisco. By 2022, online videos will make up more than 82% of all consumer internet traffic, that's 15 times higher than it was in 2017, 82%. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I, I truly am. It's just a huge trend. We're gonna see more and more and more video. Here's another statistic. This is from Quartz. A Facebook executive predicted that, that their platform, the Facebook platform, will be all video and no text by 2021. That's next year, just, by the way. I don't know. I mean, that sounds crazy to me, but I, I can see it, but at the same time, I'm kind of skeptical. Well, it makes sense because a truck comes out, so you can, when you're not driving, because it's self-driving in your cyber truck, you can just watch you videos. Watch videos. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. that's see, right. Tesla really changed the game They know for what's everything. going on. Yeah. I did a, a quick research this morning on this. The FaceTime app on our iPhones, I remember it was a big deal when iPhone put on a FaceTime app. That was June 2010. So less than 10 years later, what we've seen happen is from, from the onset of that idea that phone makers really wanted you to be live video with people you're talking to, you've seen this thing just absolutely take all of social media by storm. I've got one or two more statistics. And that's what my kids only think that's what the phone is for, is to FaceTime. They don't yeah. think of it as to make traditional phone calls or they don't know about all the apps and things like that. I guess that's true. We have to look at what the younger demographics have grown up with. And if that's mainly like TikTok or FaceTime, then yeah, video is going to be the king of, of all kind of content. Mm -hmm. Here's from eMarketer. 75% of all video plays are on a mobile device. Makes sense. That's crazy. That's everybody's on. Everyone has one. Three-year-olds have these things, yeah. right? They're watching YouTube. They're, well, they're not my three-year-old. Well, <laughs> I'm saying there are three-year-olds out there that have these things. Oh, there is. All right. TechCrunch. I've got two more statistics. Facebook has over 8 billion video views per day. They're not YouTube. That's Facebook. That's I feel like that's more than people in the world, Chad. <laughs> 8 billion. So, you know, people are watching a whole lot of videos. Each one of us are watching multiple videos People every don't day. work out there. Get to work. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay. Social video generates 1,200%. That's not 200%. That's 1,200% more shares, get this, than text and image content combined. I want to say that again. Social video generates 1,200% more shares than text and imagery 
combined. So you're saying not to use it then? Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're telling me not to use video. Gotcha. I, think, I think what I'm saying is you better get used to using it because all of your social platforms in the years to come might, like TikTok, only offer live interactive elements or video elements. Mm -hmm. so, you know, you've got a Facebook platform developer saying, hey, by next year, we don't want any of your photos or your text. We only want your video content because they know that's where the engagement is. That's what's going to drive their market. If you're looking at marketing right now, you know, you're wondering how you're going to do on social media and you don't have a video component, it's something to get in your, in your roster right now, right away. Absolutely. I would agree. And then speaking of reaching the people that you want to reach, whether that be through video or whatnot, uh, in 2020, we're going to see some changes to Facebook. Now, a lot of these changes were brought about because of the uh, debacle that they had with privacy, thanks to Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm, that went well. Um, but basically, during the F8 convention, Zuckerberg said that the future is private. <laughs> so what that means is that privacy is going to be a huge priority for Facebook in these coming years. Now, how are they going to do that? So Zuckerberg talked about completely changing the Facebook design and also moving it from, it, from a more like a public domain where you try to reach everybody to honing it into these private groups that you can use to only speak to people that you want to speak to, um, whether that be internally with you and your friends or maybe it's just the people that are interested in your business. And this is supposedly going to help with the privacy issues that we've dealt with in the past. Supposedly. Supposedly, <laughs> yes. It's if a key you, word. If you watch a movie like Snowden, you have to wonder if anything has been private for a full 10 years now. We all have a web-enabled phone in our hand with video and audio capabilities Navigation. that may not even be off when it's off. I mean, so yeah. I love this. I, I love Facebook embracing this, but well, this is like to. saying <laughs> tigers are going to be vegetarians five years from now. You know, there's yeah. some hard yeah. wiring here that's very I difficult to overcome. I completely agree with you on that aspect. And I, to me, the fact that Snowden's message to the world didn't create a revolution or a revolt just tells me how much we are we don't care. We just, just don't care. Yeah, no, yeah nobody or cares. Or we're willing to accept it. Like, that's the norm. If, if that would have came out in the 90s or, or even maybe the early 2000s, I think you would have seen an absolute breakdown in society. But even here in the office, while we've been recording this podcast, somebody said something that triggered Siri. She said, yes, I'm listening. Yeah, we know. <laughs> you, we know. We know always, you're listening. She's always there is herself. no, it's not just Facebook. It's, it's broader. And I think, obviously, Facebook has a metric of control here. And what they need to do, of course, is they need to let people know that, that we're serious about your privacy. That's what I want to know from Facebook. Yeah. All the, all the talk aside, like, are, are you serious about this? But it's, it's a broader issue, I think, than just social media. But absolutely, the onus is on them, I think to recognize what our concerns are with this because I think it was really damaging for them when some of these things came to light. You know? Oh, absolutely. And you um, saw like the government doesn't even know what to ask or, or yeah. how to regulate or even you know, monitor this. They had no idea. And so just I think that was one of my biggest questions is like you, you, you talk about privacy. Well, what, what does that mean? Like what kind of information are they saying? What kind of information don't you want out there, I guess, when in, in terms of like Facebook and I don't know. It's just to me, it's it's crazy. Like I said, we're going to be switching more to like individual groups. So for your business, if you don't have a group page for your business, you should start to get on that now. Like be ahead of the curve, be ahead of the game, um, get used to it because that's where it's going to be. It's going to be in these messaging apps. It's going to be in these private groups. Jeff, do you see Facebook? Because it seems to me that they're really pushing people toward utilizing this group tool. What have you seen them do to make that happen? I think that was a big part of them separating Messenger into its own app from traditional Facebook. 
um, and then putting all these things into Messenger. I mean, you can use it when you sell things on Marketplace. You have to privately message to get all the details on where to meet, how much it's going to be, and all of that. Uh, you see, you can pay people through Messenger. Uh, you can send documents through Messenger. Um, they even have a Messenger Kids app, so they can just you can approve who they can talk to. Like I have that set up for my kids. Well, the grandparents is who they can talk to, and they have the Messenger Kids app set up. Um, and then you just see that with the rise of stories. I mean, all of that, the engagement is directly a DM or a private message on how you want to interact with that. So it just makes sense. I mean, people, I think initially people were excited to kind of throw everything out there and get it out to the world. And then they kind of stepped back a little bit and said, okay, I want to bring this in. And you see that just like, for example, when I share pictures of the kids, I only share it to my friends. Uh, mm -hmm. When I share news about things, it just goes publicly to everybody. And so I think people like to have that control over who sees what. And I think they feel more confident in a private place where you can, like Instagram, I mean, you can view a video, what, twice? And then it's not visible anymore in a DM. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Snapchat has it where it goes away, supposedly. Um, and so I think people find confidence in that or they feel better knowing that, oh, it's gone now, even though it's really not <laughs> I use groups I, I probably I'm on Facebook quite a bit um, and I would say 70 80 percent of what I'm posting is in a, a fairly private group or a fully private group I seldom that I actually put something on my on my feed or my wallet is but I will use stories you know to what you're saying because yeah because it just works it's a short-term thing and it's just got more of that privacy and so that's interesting yeah, and, I, and it kind of goes into our next point. I mean, people are being more deliberate about what it is that they do on social media. So being social is certainly a real life, a meaningful conversation. So what I like to look at as far as uh, uh, an idea for this, think about like when you go and grab coffee with a friend or lunch. Um, I have lunch coming up with my friend Barb. So with that, you know, you walk away from that, that time that you spent together, refreshed, maybe more encouraged, you're kind of on cloud nine. Or you're, if it was like a business lunch, you're inspired about what opportunities may come from this. And so you want to look at that same approach when you're doing social media. Um, it's not um, just about, you know, pushing things out and spitting things out and, and, and just getting content out there. It's certainly about the quality of the content and kind of going back to what we said about engagement. Um, it's not, again, the be all end all, but it certainly is a good measurement on what people are responding to and what they favor and don't favor. Um, it's not about the amount of posts. Again, it's about that quality. So what I would kind of encourage you to do as you're going into 2020, and now we're into 2020, is kind of take a step back and see, okay, what is it that I want to be known for in 2020? What kind of company or brand do I want to be? And spend like 30, 45 minutes kind of reviewing and outline that. I mean, we can kind of do it quickly together February is coming up. What type of things does February have to hold? Groundhog Day is one. So if you're a company that's, you know, seasonal based or like a, a garden house or a greenhouse or something like that, you can kind of use this as a countdown to kind of get people pumped up for the big season coming up. If you're uh, pretty much any business can jump into Super Bowl that's going on in, on February 2nd. You can do a little poll. What team are you rooting for? Maybe you can design something that has the team colors. Maybe you can do some staff photos of the teams cheering for different teams or do some competitions in that regard. If you sell any food, you can do food that's, you know, football themed or catering or to-goes or 
Just try something. Um, yeah, I mean, just there's countless out. things you can do with it. You can make your own cheesy little commercial. I mean, um, anything like that you can play off of. And then Valentine's Day. Again, if you're a restaurant, obviously you can dominate from that. If you have gifts or unique things that people could buy as a gift. If you just want to play off the thing of love, why people love you, why people love your products or anything like that. I mean, it's a huge thing. Or why you want to show love or, or, or something like that or why you love your community. I mean, there's just so many ways that you can pull off of that. So that's just three things right there that can fill your content calendar. And quite frankly, if you do those three things and do them really well and it gets a week of momentum out of each of those, then you could get away with posting three things in the whole month of February, for example. We have leap year that's in February. That only happens every four years. How can you, hey, leap into this, leap in for that, leap off of our competitors and leap over to us or... I mean, there's just so many things that you can play with for that. So that's how I would kind of encourage you. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. But you, you just have to be more strategic in what it is that you're doing and look at how you can play off of real things that are happening, um, trending moments, and then also how you can be relevant. I mean, people are going to be talking about Valentine's. You're going to see pink and red and all that kind of dominate news feeds coming up. So make sure yours is something that sticks out with that same color scheme. And if you're doing a live video on Valentine's Day, just, you know, it's great to do live video, but also spend some time with that person you love off camera. <laughs> yeah. A little bit Set of work-life balance there, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So I hope you guys like this new format with uh, the three perspectives. I think it was a lot of fun, good discussions. We kind of shared a lot. I know this one was a little bit longer, but again, we kind of wanted to kick off your new year with some stuff to kind of recap 2019 and, and get you encouraged for 2020. If you like what you heard, certainly give us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate that. Subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast from. Our next episode is going to be about to boost or to not boost. So tune in for that. If you have ideas for future episodes, let us know. You can reach me at Jeff at DigitalMitten.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was a production of Digital Mitten. For more useful information, head over to DigitalMitten.com.